We can't hear you, Father Hayden. Can you hear me now? There you go. Yes. Thank you. Sorry about that. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. Let us humbly confess our sins unto Almighty God. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from thy ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against thy holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done, and there is no health in us. But thou, O Lord, have mercy upon us, miserable offenders. Spare thou those, O God, who confess their faults. Restore thou those who are penitent, according to thy promises declared unto mankind, in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may hereafter live a godly, righteous, and sober life, to the glory of thy holy name. Amen. The Almighty and merciful Lord grant you absolution and remission of all your sins, true repentance, amendment of life, and the grace and consolation of his Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. O Lord, open thou our lips and our mouth shall show forth thy praise. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Praise ye the Lord. The Lord's name be praised. Psalm 33, on page 378. Rejoice in the Lord, O ye righteous. For it becometh well the just to be thankful. Praise the Lord with harp. Sing praises unto him with the lute and the instrument of ten strings. Sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing praises lustily unto him with a good courage. For the word of the Lord is true, and all his works are faithful. He loveth righteousness and judgment. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. He gathereth the waters of the sea together as it were upon an heap, and layeth up the deep as in a treasure house. Let all the earth fear the Lord, stand in awe of him, all ye that dwell in the world. For he spake, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. The Lord bringeth the counsel of the heathen to naught, and maketh the devices of the people to be of none effect, and casteth out the counsels of princes. The counsel of the Lord shall endure forever, and the thoughts of his heart from generation to generation. Blessed are the people whose God is the Lord Jehovah, and blessed are the folks that he hath chosen to him to be his inheritance. The Lord looketh down from heaven, and beholdeth all the children of men. From the habitation of his dwelling he considereth all them that dwell on the earth. He fashioneth all the hearts of them, and understandeth all their works. There is no king that can be saved by the multitude of an host. Neither is any man, mighty man delivered by much strength. A horse is counted but a vain thing to save a man neither shall he deliver any man by his great strength. Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him, and upon them that put their trust in his mercy. To deliver their soul from death, and to feed them in the time of dearth. Our soul hath patiently tarried for the Lord, for he is our help and our shield. For our heart shall rejoice in him, because we have hope in his holy name. 
Let thy merciful kindness, O Lord, be upon us, like as we do put our trust in thee. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Here beginneth the 19th verse of the 19th chapter of the Apocryphal book Ecclesiasticus. The knowledge of the commandments of the Lord is the doctrine of life, and they that do things that please him shall receive the fruit of the tree of immortality. The fear of the Lord is all wisdom, and in all wisdom is the performance of the law and the knowledge of his omnipotency. If a servant say to his master, I will not do as it pleaseth thee, though afterward he do it, he angereth him that nourisheth him. The knowledge of wickedness is not wisdom, neither at any time the counsel of sinners prudence. There is a wickedness, and the same an abomination, and there is a fool wanting in wisdom. He that hath small understanding and feareth God is better than one that hath much wisdom, and transgresseth, transgresseth the law of the Most High. There is an exquisite subtlety, and the same is unjust. And there is one that turneth aside to make judgment appear, and there is a wise man that justifieth in judgment. There is a wicked man that hangeth down his head sadly, but inwardly he is full of deceit, casting down his countenance, and making as if he heard not. Where he is not known, he will do thee a mischief before thou be aware. And if for want of power he be hindered from, from sinning, yet when he findeth opportunity, he will do evil. A man may be known by his look, and one that hath understanding by his countenance when thou meetest him. A man's attire and excessive laughter and gait show what he is. Here endeth the first lesson. My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior, for he hath regarded the lowliness of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth, all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath magnified me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him throughout all generations. He hath showed strength with his arm. He hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seat, and hath exalted the humble and meek. He hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he hath sent empty away. He, remembering his mercy, hath hope in his servant Israel, as he promised to our forefathers, Abraham and his seed forever. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Here beginneth the fifth chapter of the Gospel according to St. Matthew. And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you, and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Here endeth the second lesson. Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace, 
according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, to be a light to lighten the Gentiles, and to be the glory of thy people Israel. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with thy spirit. Let us pray. O Lord, show thy mercy upon us. And grant us thy salvation. O Lord, save the state. And mercifully hear us when we call upon thee. And do thy ministers with righteousness. And make thy chosen people joyful. O Lord, save thy people. And bless thine inheritance. Give peace in our time, O Lord. For it is thou, Lord, only that makest us dwell in safety. O God, make clean our hearts within us. And take not thy Holy Spirit from us. Almighty and everlasting God, give unto us the increase of faith, hope, and charity. And that we may obtain that which thou dost promise, make us to love that which thou dost command. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. O God, from whom all holy desires, all good counsels, and all just works do proceed, give unto thy servants that peace which the world cannot give, that our hearts may be set to obey thy commandments, and also that by thee, we being defended from the fear of our enemies, may pass our time in rest and quietness through the merits of Jesus Christ our Savior. Amen. Light in our darkness, we beseech thee, O Lord. And by thy great mercy, defend us from all perils and dangers of this night. For the love of thy only Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Good evening to all. A couple of brief um, thoughts on our lessons for tonight. We start in Psalm 33, um, which has a couple of um, curious uh, dimensions to it. It's, it's definitely a psalm that is widely regarded by commentators as a kind of national hymn. Uh, or a, a, a song that is about the whole people together in their relationship with God. Um, and particularly, Psalm 33 calls upon the people to sing a new song to God. Um, and this is a way that this psalm stands in sort of contrast to the rest of the Psalter, in the sense that, it, you know, whereas much of the Psalter kind of very deliberately and very um, explicitly draws on different themes and tropes from this, from different psalms, in order to compose new psalms, this one calls upon the people um, to to create a kind of pivot point and to advance um, and to deepen um, the the um, the devotion of the psalter and of the psalm tradition um, in a kind of uh, by by carving new ground, and it becomes then the basis for future psalms to then sort of imitatively draw from as they continue to dialogue with each other. This is one of the ways that, that, that the Psalter is so interesting to read as a whole book, is that there are so many different conversations happening between the Psalms where they'll draw on each other's imagery and language to make new points about the character of God and the people's relationship to him. And one of the things that Psalm 33 uniquely contributes is this, um, this imagining of the universe as you know being upheld foundationally by the breath of God. That God, um, between the, you know, the formless and void over which the spirit of God hovers at creation and the firmament on which the whole creation sits above that formless and void out of which it is drawn by the word of God, by his word of command, um, there is uh, God himself upholding that, that the universe is not sort of given its own, it does not sustain its own life, um, but rather that the breath of God 
um, and the, the command of God and the law of God, these uphold even the foundations of reality itself, the foundations of existence themselves, um, on which and out of which everything else comes. So if you could imagine like the most foundation of foundations, um, we think about like a foundation stone beneath a house, beneath the, the kind of floorboards, beneath all these things we stand on, but the foundation is, you know, the, the, the edifice on which it sits above the earth. Now imagine beneath all of reality, there is this foundation beyond all foundations, beyond which is just nothingness. That is the, you know, be, the thing holding that up is the word of the Lord, his, his word of command and the breath that gives it continual existence. And the reason why this is significant is because the psalmist will then contrast this point with what, with uh, the councils, this language of councils, particularly of the princes versus the councils of the Lord. Um, this always refers to as kind of an idiom that refers to politicking um, and the kind of the, the, the different strategies and tactics of political expediency. Um, and it's often thought that these are the things that make the world go round, right? It is the political sphere that moves, you know, moves peoples, moves resources, moves uh, human endeavor around. Um, but the psalmist can, again refers back to this, no matter how grand the schemes of the world are, nevertheless, even their very existence depends on God. The very breath in which they are uttered depends on God. The very parchments on which they are written depends on God in every moment for its ongoing existence. Um, and this is significant because it kind of peels back um, what, what can seem at times to be the most immediate and the most um, potent dimension of reality to show that it is actually nothing without the ongoing um, supply of existence that God continues to be pleased to give it. Even when it uses that existence to then turn and rebel and curse, rebel against and curse God, nevertheless, the fact that we exist at all is a gift that, keep, that God keeps on giving to us. So it's significant as a reorientation of the imagination. Um, and that goes that ties into our wisdom writings tonight from Ecclesiasticus, which talks about the Lord as the very fruit of the tree of life itself in verse 19. It's significant because wisdom is in this passage contrasted with cleverness or what this calls great subtlety. Um, and there is, a, you know, a, a great um, sort of scandal in the fact that a person can be very clever and not be very good. Um, one of the things I used to teach when I was a school teacher, you know, to my students was a little bit of a sense of reservation I had and even being a teacher at all for them, because the thing, the skills of the mind, the skills of our hands that we would teach them, uh, you know, these things don't necessarily, these things are useful. They're, they're useful and they're potent. They enhance the, the native powers of the mind, of the heart, of the speech, of our hands, of our, of our ability to communicate, but it can be kind of dangerous because that doesn't necessarily mean that it'll get used for a good purpose. I remember having a mentor once who said that, you know, one of the great dangers in any kind of education or formation is that you become really smart, but not very good. Um, and so wisdom is different than subtlety, but sometimes we can confuse the two and think that because someone is clever, because they know how the game works in any given environment, that they have actually adopted the foundational, you know, principles that make that thing a good thing, um, and are and are practitioners of the deeper wisdom of that thing. And it's not always the case. Um, we can think that you know someone can be very good at speaking and just be good at speaking. That doesn't mean that that what they're saying all the time is consistent, that it has integrity with the other things they say, or that it's pointing us in a good direction or moving the people that it, the words reach in a good direction. And so when we think about that in contrast with what we see in the Sermon on the Mount, this is the purpose for which Jesus gives us the Sermon on the Mount at this point in Matthew's gospel. As he'll say in the next passage, he has not come to abolish the law of Moses, rather to fulfill the law of Moses. And what this means is, is that Jesus is going to be revealing in this Sermon on the Mount the deepest dimension of the wisdom of God that is contained, that can be, that can be contained in the law. He's going to reveal the law in its deepest, most transformative dimension. And this has always been the purpose of the law, is to draw out the deep frailties and insufficiencies of the human heart that the mercy of God might be supplied where one knows they are weak, frail, and in need of that help. And the purpose of the law is to reveal the ways in which we are most in need of God's mercy. And so Jesus, 
who has who's now in a you know cultural context, a religious context of, of first century Judea, where he's going to be seeing this law being held up as the as the thing itself, as the ultimate foundation of all religious life. Jesus is going to come along and point out how that's actually impossible to do consistently. And in fact, it's entire in returning the law to its proper place as that which reveals the, the the good the the ongoing justice of God and of his good will to supply mercy to those who turn to him in repentance. And so as we continue to read the Sermon on the Mount, let's keep that in mind that Jesus is not coming along to kick out one set of rules so that he can replace it with another set of rules. He's going to take the law that has been revealed to ancient Israel and reveal it to its most to its furthest extent as a thing that is meant to transform the whole character of a person so that they're not just good they're not just nice and pious on the outside but they are actually righteous from the heart outward and as we approach that tonight in evening prayer that is the purpose for which we come here we're not here to offer a pristine evening office and and, and to attain some sort of liturgical perfection we are here to open the heart with earnestness to God that it might be transformed from our inmost being so that we can wait on the kindness of the Lord from the center of the heart. Thus, we can be transformed and actually we are fulfilling the purpose of having a rule of prayer at all, having a book of common prayer to share, having a life in Christ. Because if it simply becomes a matter of outward conformity to a kind of, um, you know, a religious aesthetics or a sort of a religious kind of um, microculture that we're all kind of club members in, then it's not worth anything. What matters is the transformation of the whole person. And that is why in every, that's why we come back to this every day, because it is a continuous need. It is a continuous need to turn to God for that thing and to receive again, something we should never take for granted, continuous life, continuous life that we have been given by virtue of our birth, but then more importantly, continuous life that is supplied to us through the spirit in Christ. And so that's what we return to tonight. And we'll conclude our prayer tonight with our intercession on page 590. Accept, O Lord, our intercessions for all mankind. Let the light of thy gospel shine upon all nations, and may as many as have received it live as becomes it. Be gracious unto thy church, and grant that every member of the same in his vocation and ministry may serve thee faithfully. Bless all in authority over us, and so rule their hearts and strengthen their hands, that they may punish wickedness and vice, and maintain thy true religion and virtue. Send down thy blessings, temporal and spiritual, upon all our relations, friends, and neighbors. Reward all who have done us good, and pardon all those who have done or wish us evil, and give them repentance and better minds. Be merciful to all who are in any trouble. And do thou, the God of pity, administer to them according to their several necessities. For his sake, who went about doing good, thy Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. In the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Ghost be with us all evermore. Amen. Thank you all so much for being here tonight. And thanks to Barbara, and thanks to Rochelle, my co-leaders tonight. Hope you have a wonderful evening. You can leave now. Thanks, Father Hayden. Bye, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Good evening. Good evening. Thank you. Have a good evening, everyone.